Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome you to Probe ECE Association presents Probe FM 55.5. All it needs is a small trigger. For all those wondering, Probe is a national level technical symposium held by the Department of ECE and IT Trichy. Today, I, Arkajit, and my co-host Aishwarya will be interviewing Ms. Shilpa Pandit. Ms. Shilpa Pandit, in her more than two decade long adventure, has primarily identified herself as a researcher in psychology. During her work of 23 years, she has alternatively wandered and worked as a pilgrim and as an exile in three different actions. One, teaching. She taught social psychology, theories in psychology, and research methods. Two, research. She did researching and consulting on issues such as poverty, public policy relating to MGNEREGA, associating with several organizations such as UNICEF and UNDP. Number three, founding. Her organization, DreamPath Foundation, has reached out to more than 15,000 students in 100 different schools in Karnataka through its workshops and a dedicated career helpline. She has worked as a UNDP research officer on public policy relating to rural employment with the Ministry of Rural uh, Development. She was also the monitoring and evaluation head for Hand in Hand India and was selected for the Chevening Fellowship at the University of Oxford, UK for her leadership in the social sector. Welcome, ma'am, to Probe FM 55.5. It's truly a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing, ma'am? Thank you. I'm doing fine. It's wonderful that we are in the new year and we have passed through well in the last year. Thank you for inviting yes. me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, let's start off the proceedings with an unofficial question, ma'am. How is quarantine treating you? Mm. Quarantine is a good time to just think and be with yourself and uh, occupy oneself well at home and um, so on. So it's a good of unofficial time. <laughs> good lot of reading. Yes, what are you doing? Are you also reading a lot these days? Uh, actually, no, ma'am. I'm actually playing games mostly <laughs> and uh, I'm yeah. working out with actually my brother is playing as well. So, yeah, Very good. that's good. Yeah. yeah. So with your permission, ma'am, can we please proceed with the official first question? Hmm. Sure. When did you realize that you wanted to pursue a career in psychology and social activity? What triggered it, ma'am? Oh, thank you for that question, Aishwarya. So when I was in college, just like uh, you all are there now, I studied in the Delhi University and uh, I, it was by chance that I took psychology as a, as a UG course. I actually wanted to become an engineer. As most people uh, are told that to become an engineer is very important. So I thought I should become an engineer. I, was, I really liked math and chemistry. But somehow I was not able to get into engineering. And I thought, okay, so this looks very interesting. So I joined in uh, psychology without having any firm idea about it. But when I read about psychology, I was hooked. I really liked the way we 
psychologists talked about uh, how the mind works, what is personality, how is it, how are we happy and what makes us uh, maladjusted and so on and so forth. So it, it really seized me. At the same time, I was totally uh, amazed by this disconnection, disconnect between our Indian culture and the Indian approaches and what we read in the books. So the Indian culture, the Indian languages, the Indian literature, it was so rich about so many states of, you know, all kinds of absolutely fascinating ideas of samadhi and people going to the Himalayas. So, but that was not discussed in psychology. So it that was another thing in literature and in, you know, the stories that we read. Those things were not referred in our books. At that point, I thought, for these two reasons, I absolutely have to do psychology. One was this fascination, and second was the Indian culture and the kind of things that we grow up learning. And those were not somehow reflected, you know. So I, was, I found that we should reflect them. So that's how I first, I think, must have been my second year or something in psychology. Yes, ma'am, that's what it's it is really fascinating, the Indian culture and the psychology, as you said. Like mixing mixing and matching both of those terms seemed really alien to engineers like us, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, so ma'am, we move on to the second question. Yeah. Being a researcher for the first time must have been exhilarating. Could you share your experiences while working on your first project? Oh, so that's a fascinating question. So when we are doing research in social context, uh, it can be exhilarating and a little scary as well because we are talking with the with a human being right in front of us, right? So the first research project that I did was in AIMS, that is All India Institute of Medical Sciences. And I wanted to study uh, anxiety among uh, people who are diagnosed with cancer. So people who are diagnosed with cancer uh, have maybe experiencing anxiety about their life, about what all they will be you know, they're suffering and what they might be leaving people in their family with. So I wanted to study that. I, I was very young. It was my UG final year research project. And at that point of time, we used to go for field work to AIMS thrice in a week or four times in a week, talk to people. That was, as you said, it was exhilarating because one knows the other person in that limited time, in that limited sense, one gets to know something more than what one reads in the books. So what one reads in the books is is a map, but it's not the reality, isn't it? Like how we travel by Ola and Uber pre-COVID, we have the map. And the map says that, you know, this is how one reaches from A to B. But the reality of it is what the driver will say, oh, there is going to be, a, you know, a school is closing, so there'll be going to be a rush that place. So the reality is different than the map. So books are like maps, but doing research is like encountering reality. 
right so it is quite exhilarating slightly scary because we are talking with real human beings so if we make a mistake or if something goes wrong then over period of time i found that people are so strong people can even if a researcher makes a little bit of mistake here if the researcher recognizes it people are we are able to dynamically work and correct those mistakes on the go so that was amazing and that was just amazing as i was really good to see whatever we learn in books if we see in reality we that excitement will be really great and then learning from our mistakes will give very good a uh, motivation towards our career yes so moving on to the next question what has motivated you to start the impact foundation hmm so that's amazing so you know what psychologists say is that one of the key things that i liked in psychology was this search for meaning you know human beings like to work according to psychologists human beings like to work and they search for a meaning and this meaning is very important and what happens is usually in early in our life we have to do a lot of adjustments we have to adjust with our family we have to adjust in marriage when we get married we have our growing children and all that but around middle age they say that the search for meaning becomes very strong and powerful so around when i think i was 40 years old i thought when i was growing up i used to think i must do something i was inspired by you know thakur shri ramakrishna shri vivekananda krishnamurti you know they we want to change the society so i was inspired by that but then in the middle uh, of it after my college we got i got married and we had children then life seemed to have different priorities around 40 you know i thought am i going to kind of keep doing the same normal usual things i must do something more and normally people you know we say or at least i said it to myself after this settles down i'll do that but then at 40 i thought nothing is ever going to settle down either i do it now or i don't do it i have to do it now so i learned that nothing ever settles down if you want to do it do it now just now right now do it it doesn't need to be perfect so we started dream path foundation with a friend of mine and she is an it engineer her name is krupa chakravarti and she was working in an it company called infosys in uh, bangalore and she was saying that i want to do something meaningful in life i want to help people i want to contribute i am doing a good job as uh, she was some senior level position but i want to do more so i said yes let's do it it doesn't need to be perfect right from the word go let us make it and slowly and slowly it will become perfect so that was the motivation we wanted to do more than what we are doing now wow that is so inspirational man that is really inspirational actually i was wondering you said you had a different uh, you had another friend from bangalore uh, that actually leads me on to our very next question how important do you think our social life is in comparison to academics 
सोशल लाइफ इज एक्सट्रीमली इम्पोर्टेंट राइट एब्सोल्युटली absolutely one must have fun one must have all the possible experiences which are ethical which are not non ethical one must have ethical ethically legitimately possible wonderful life is so wonderful you know the great buddha when he was about to leave uh, you know at the old at his old age he looked back that's a story he looked back and he said sweet is the life of the people of this uh, country this india at that point it was called jambudweep so the sweetness of life comes from these experiences even if they are bitter experiences when i was young i used to think i should have uh, happy experiences all the time but one time i was just sitting and thinking and i said i don't want all the happy experiences even if sad experiences come to me may i get the courage to deal with them that's it so theek hai whatever experience comes let me experience it fully even if it's a sadness of course at the age of 50 now one has experienced a lot of sadness as much as one has experienced happiness so both experiences are wonderful and social life is so important because it gives you both kinds of experiences many times you get hurt you get rejected you get humiliated you get hurt hmm? many times you get loved you get you have friendships you enjoy a good cup of coffee and you have a good joke so both experiences make the sweetness of life so this word experience now sorry now just one last minute point we may think that you know if we spend too much of time on academics one day we will spend on social life my learning is that that doesn't happen life is life goes on what one needs to know do is to become a better time manager and do both so one cannot live life sequentially one must live life simultaneously but if you have to live simultaneously you must manage your time well and energy then you can do it thank you yes ma'am you rightly said that balance is really important in our life managing i mean not uh, sticking to happiness and not moving on to the next task and all is uh, bad to our career so uh, what role does meditation play in psychology ma'am oh that's an amazing question so meditation is the core nowadays meditation is really a very what you call a hot potato topic in psychology in cognitive cognitive sciences now why meditation is important for cognitive neurosciences is because now we are trying to know what what all can brain our brains you know cognition do because of these advances in imaging technologies now we have about 15 20 years back not many people were talking a lot about meditation uh, now because of medical technologies have advanced a lot so we are able to see something happening 
in live healthy brains earlier brain studies were based on brains that had suffered some insult or trauma like you know some brain damage or some uh, brain which is not alive right so our understanding of brain was limited now what we are doing is with fmri mri studies pt studies we are able to see what is happening in a live healthy human brain and when one does that one is fascinated by what all possibilities the brain can do and one of the things that the brain can do is to meditate and now as i said it's become a hot potato in research it's because people have found that because of meditation there can be changes in the brain one of the changes that we found was that if you meditate regularly certain areas in the brain become thicker you know and when you are stressed out certain areas of the brain start showing that impact of stress so what meditation does is it allows for what is called as a increase in gray matter in certain parts of the brain you know gray matter so what happens the brain literally structurally changes if you meditate and that is the reason why across the world people are focusing on mindfulness people are focusing on uh, yoga and meditation across the world and the another thing that we found in the last 15 20 years is what is called as neuroplasticity neuroplasticity means that if you do something repeatedly the neural connections can get reformed over a period of time which means that if you do yoga if you do meditation over a period of say 4 5 years then your brain is going to be different than what it was and what it is compared to others who are not meditating so that is amazing that's just amazing neuroplasticity so meditation shows changes in the brain due to neuroplasticity that shows you know that's what and then whenever i uh, heard when i first met or saw arkajit pal or you from andhra pradesh or shrivardhrajan you know who is from uh, our tamil nadu i am inspired by those meditational frameworks and practices that are there in our culture if we were to do that i think we would really be able to solve many of the problems that we face currently if we were to follow these masters thank you uh yes ma'am <laughs> that is uh actually i just wanted to comment on this a little bit my mother always uh, told me to meditate regularly but i i never really listened to her that much so after listening to this i think i it will be a personal habit of mine really it has really changed the way i think about it uh actually uh, when my mom told me to meditate i'd say i'd rather sleep so the next question is how how does sleep affect your mental well-being ma'am oh so wonderful so basically we are talking of something called as consciousness and in consciousness uh, 
there is a wakeful state where we are awake and we are talking to each other then there are uh, there is a dreams dreams are uh, some a state of consciousness and then there is sleep some people some scholars think of sleep also as an altered state of consciousness because they benchmark you know the benchmark is the wakeful state so in the wakeful state certain uh, brain uh, certain brain activity is seen in dream states certain other brain activities are seen and in sleep two key important things happen in the brain one is that the brain activity goes into what is called as slow wave sleep so there are different through electroencephalograms we can see the wave forms you know the different types of waves we can observe about the brain activity so one is that this there is a very regular and slow wave brain activity seen which which brings relaxation and restoration so sleep gives that first and second is that uh, now researchers know that during sleep the memory and learning consolidation happens so there is a brain area called hippocampus you must it's a very famous area a lot of organizations have also started called hippocampus center for learning and all that so hippocampus there is a consolidation of memory and learning happens in the hippocampal region when you sleep deeply now you said a wonderful thing even amartya sen in one of his interviews he said that he used to be uh, sleeping and when his family members would ask him what are you doing he would say i am meditating <laughs> so so the, so the, the what is the difference between sleeping and meditation the only difference between sleeping and meditation is that uh the similarities in both you will consolidate your learning and memory but in meditation you have a lot of choices and options right so it's under your voluntary control in meditation you can choose a particular method and say improve your concentration or you can say i don't believe in that i'll just focus on breathing even a the most critical part is just breathing regularly will have an impact on your brain function like breathing in a regularity right nowadays we, we 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 are not even sure how we are breathing we are not aware of that so when you are able to just regulate your breathing it shows changes in your brain so it is an under our control there so many methods we can choose what to do whereas in sleep it is not within our direct control that's the only difference both are some scholars consider sleep also as an alternate state of consciousness and meditation certainly is an altered state of consciousness there's no doubt about it but both are positive whereas drugs which also give an altered state of consciousness are not a very positive state in the sense that you lose whatever control that you would have even in sleep and you 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 would have what is called as dependence or addiction on that okay hmm depression and anxiety have become major issue these days how yeah. can one cope up with depression and anxiety hmm so there that's a that's a question hmm 
So depression and anxiety are complex and they're kind of different. At least psychologists think of them as two separate uh, kind of phenomena. Depression is associated with sadness and uh, grief and hurt and psychological pain. Whereas very broadly speaking, anxiety is associated with worrying. Depression is um, can be about past and present conditions, whereas anxiety is mostly, very broadly, mostly about future. Right? So, anxiety about future and uh, First, let us look at that. If we are having an anxiety, then cognitively, in terms of brain functions and all, we find that there is a sense of restlessness. There's an inability to attend. There is a constant worry and rumination about things. And a great feeling of inadequacy that I'm not able to do this. That's why I'm worrying about it. So there are different ways in which we can address it. One is if we have clarity. And if we are very sure what we are unable to do and what we are able to do, and we are able to communicate that to ourselves and to others, and then we are able to regulate and train our minds through breathing to become calmer, then one is able to problem solve. The difficulty with anxiety is that the anxious person doesn't solve problems but keeps worrying. So you change that, you change that from just worrying to problem solving. I'll help the person to find a way to solve the problem and the anxiety will come down. Right? Depression, on the other hand, is associated with a lot of grief, pain and sadness. There can be variety of causes related to it. The causes can be social, the causes can be physiological, bodily, and the causes can be internal or uh, biochemical, bio, you know, so or related to neurotransmitters. For example, uh, if people leave you, if there is separation, if there is divorce, if there is a love failure, then there is a feeling of sadness, right? That is because of some event that has happened. Sometimes because there is some pain in the body. For example, uh, if you have uh, joint pain, a lot of elderly people have that. Or if you have a lot of um, health issues, then also you feel depressed as a on the side because this body is not happy and healthy. The body is not healthy. So you are not happy, right? Sometimes it can happen because of hormonal changes like thyroid malfunction. If there is a thyroid uh, disorder, metabolic disorder, then you are likely to feel depressed also. So there can be multiple causes of depression. So when we want to address depression, we must, we must see whether it is from a physical cause or is it because of a health issue? Is it because of certain social issues and then accordingly we can help now for all that you don't need to go uh, to a psychotherapist first you can do what is called as the new model is psychological first aid so what you do is 
you talk you become empowered as people we all become empowered as people we learn what are the clinical symptoms and the non clinical symptoms and we see whether we can help someone without going to a psychologist in the initial stage but if it's a clinical depression if it's a serious difficulty then one must go to a psychologist or a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist right so the reason why this is coming is because we have very few psychologists and psycho psychiatrist so if we cannot create so many psychiatrists and psychotherapists but the problem is huge so we should learn first aid psychological first aid and then if the first aid doesn't work then one must go to a medical doctor or a psychotherapist or a professional so uh, in the previous answer you said that uh, you, we actually got to know what are the steps we can take against depression and how we can overcome depression and uh, what are the steps we should take in order to come out of it so but the real question now comes in how do you identify if someone really has depression and what steps can i take to uh, i understand that that person is going through a bad phase in his or her life yeah thank you so that's very important and sometimes it can be difficult to notice uh, if a person is depressed or not hmm? so what one needs to do is uh, uh, first thing that one needs to talk about which is a wonderful this platform actually shows that is to not stigmatize depression and say that oh this is a big stigma so i need to hide it so whenever we are we are amongst friends or among family or in workplace so it is possible that uh, one may encounter difficult times and it is possible that one may feel sad and very troubled by that okay that's a perfectly legitimate human experience okay now what happens is when we stigmatize it we hide it and then whatever difficulties we might be having they get they get doubled because we don't want to share it also so first thing what one needs to do is one needs to destigmatize mental health and depression especially because depression is likely to happen to a lot of people in and some research says that most people in this world at one point or the other might have felt depressed or would feel because it is a response it can be one of the one of the depressions can be a response to a social event or a happening right so first is destigmatize second thing is that if we notice within ourselves or amongst our friends or family or the near and dear ones or some colleagues in the workspace without judging them as less or as weak or as something um, miserable hmm? without doing that kind of a judgment we need to see how is the functioning of that person how is the functioning by by which i mean how are the relationships with everyone right the quality of that relationships how is the person able to work or not able to work 
Hmm? Sometimes what happens is because of depression, a person is not able to work at all. Right? So that's a very serious thing, no? So one needs to see what is the functioning of my, what is my functioning, day-to-day -day productivity capacity, and has it changed? And what is the functioning level of the people whom I'm worrying or concerned about? So you need to see functioning in terms of whether you are able to get up in the morning, whether you are able to groom yourself, whether you are able to have a conversation with people, whether you feel related with people, all that relational aspects, then whether you are able to concentrate on your work or not. And the third one is whether you are able to sleep or eat or are there any changes in your food, eating or sleeping. So whenever some, whenever there is a serious depression, then there are changes in our thinking. We don't, we are not able to think properly. There are changes in our feeling. We are not able to connect or relate with people. And there are changes in our day-to-day -day functioning, which means you may stop eating for a long, uh, not just like because you are having a tantrum. No, distinguish between that. That you may not eat for five days, four days. You know, slowly, slowly you stop eating. Then there is a problem. Hmm? And sometimes there are changes in sleep. Like either you cannot sleep at all or you are sleeping a lot. So these three areas we need to check. What changes in your thinking, inability or difficulty in working and concentration, changes in your feeling, inability to relate with people, feeling distanced, feeling aloof, not able to relate with people and changes in your day-to-day -day schedule. Uh, changes in your food or changes in your sleep or activity. So people don't want to eat a great, great sense of fatigue, tiredness. So you have to observe it for say 15 to 20 days. If you see that there are changes, negative changes in all the three or four areas that I mentioned, then gently open the topic either with yourself and say, am I actually depressed? Do I need to go to a counselor? If so, I should. If I need to take medicine, I should. Right? If it's someone else, say in your family or in your workplace, then you have to be very gentle because people are worried that you're going to judge them. Right? Even when we talk to ourselves, we are worried. Does it mean that I'm a weak person or I'm a failure? That I cannot even manage my emotions. I am such a failure. So don't judge yourself or the other person. And then you will be able to manage that. Uh, you know, you will be able to communicate. As you said, once we identify ourselves with mental illness, it's important to consider psychiatrist or psychologist. There's a common misconception about psychiatrists and psychologists. Some even think both are the same. When to consult a psychiatrist and then when to consult a psychologist. Mm. So that's true. 
So there are a lot of misconceptions about psychiatrists and psychologists, and we should consult a mental health professional. That's a broader category, a mental health professional. Psychiatrists are trained medical doctors, and they have an additional qualification in psychiatry, and they look at disorders from a medical point of view which means that they will prescribe medicines as well right now psychiatrists do a wonderful very important uh, role they have among the mental health professionals because depression and anxiety are common mental health uh, difficulties but we have several other um, disorders say neurological disorders say disorders due to aging the hmm? uh, serious disorders such as schizophrenia so psychiatrists are trained medical doctors who will prescribe medicines and pharmacological interventions for uh, a disturbance whereas a psychologist especially a psychotherapist is a trained person who will do a non medical who will have a non medical or a non pharmacological approach to therapy which means they will do therapy and counseling now some disorders certainly require medicines okay severe serious depression would require a medicine whereas some difficulties that people experience may not require medicine for example if there are if a couple is fighting and they are having constant arguments and the marriage is breaking down then certainly that is a problem that can cause some depression as well as some anxiety but that is addressed non medically you can go to a psychotherapist or a counselor and you will do not only the conflict resolution but you'll also the psychologist will tell how to adjust you know in terms of economic issues in financial repercussions emotional repercussions so how to adjust to the situation the psychotherapist will focus on that right so this is the distinction between psychiatrist and a psychotherapist Uh, yes ma'am so since you are a psychotherapist and you have also taught a lot of students like us so what how will you say can you can you tell us some activities that will keep our students mentally well mm so so i was trained in clinical psychology but i don't do any therapy now because i believe that this is my my belief on which even dream path was located that we need to demedicalize those areas of health which we can in the sense that for certain subset of problems we certainly need medicine but for overall uh, things we don't need to get into clinical aspects of it or most of us most of the times will be 
not requiring any clinical or therapeutic interventions isn't it so we talked about we thought of what is called as a life skills based approach and i taught about life skills i taught life skills as well and in dream path also we focus on life skills which is a more preventive aspect of health and not a curative so we don't want to wait till we struggle and get into a difficulty we want to be healthy happy and flourishing so this so that it protects us from you know further uh, disturbances so what you have to do students i think the first thing that i feel is important is to have a regular lifestyle because it is connected to your circadian rhythms in the brain you know the circadian rhythms in the brain they are related to the um, a particular schedule that the brain follows so if you are waking at 8 o'clock i have no quarrels with that but continue to wake up around the same time don't have a completely disorganized schedule that's point number 1 because it is connected to your biology right your sleep wake cycles your metabolic cycles and so on second have a very strong goal or purpose in your life set that goal correctly hmm 3 years from now 5 years from now and keep that goal balanced don't just focus on one thing do two three things and learn to do two three things well the third thing which i really uh, would like to say is that have a fan- absolutely fantastic artistic life you may not know you know you may not uh, you may not get awards for it you may not be the best singer or a cartoonist in the world but art has a way of processing um, information in a creative way so your life experiences are processed in a creative manner right so you should be investing your time in art maybe it's drawing maybe it's painting maybe it's cartoon and humor maybe it's sound uh, sound recording lot of people do maybe it's theater maybe it's music dance whatever writing poetry do make an investment into an alternate way of thinking and art is an alternate way of thinking so you should do these three things yes, uh, from onset of covid there is a major shift towards technology it mm. has been a new normal too can you mm. comment on technology's effect on mental health yeah there are two two mixed it's a mixed effect on one hand technology allows us to uh, reach to each other uh, and have has allowed us to continue with our life if technology wouldn't have been there it would have been a more much more serious disruption that's one but the second thing is that uh, technology can affect our mind in the sense that it doesn't allow us a physical sense of connecting with each other so it it can work for some people who find physical 
connections very troublesome so technology allows you that for example if some people have anxiety so for example somebody wants to become a teacher and they want to go and teach in the class so they see all the students and sometimes teachers can get scared and they can get very anxious my god what are these people going to do i cannot remember anything but webinars allow teachers to teach without feeling anxious right at the same time if the teacher and the students like to sit with each other and have a sense of community then technology has deprived us with that for example students in the college they just don't study you know they gossip they hang out with each other they go for movies together on group dates they have fun right they gossip about teachers also many times giving them nicknames and all that stuff all in good fun that is life right but now i think people do private chats on webinars but more than that you miss that hanging out with each other i think that is something that technology is not able to provide even though google calls it a hangout you still don't go and you know do mall mall hopping and window shopping and gossiping about nonsense that's life na wo to nahi ho raha hai that's what is missing especially for students the sense of community that's my media ali master says Hmm. Ma'am, so now can we go to rapid fire session? Yes, yes. I'll try my best. <laughs> so, first questions: Can you share your New Year twenty twenty one resolutions? Ah, uh, my New Year twenty twenty one resolution is to have some potato chips. and uh, because that's my idea of <laughs> i really love potato chips and i had stopped eating potato chips so i am thinking once in a month because i am a bit regular on my you know so once or twice in a month maybe i should have potato chips that's my resolution <laughs> okay on a more serious note i am deciding to go on uh, regular um, walks Wow, ma'am, you truly are an inspiration. Having potato chips as a resolution—that is a—I think everyone would love to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but just but just twice a month, huh? Not more than that. <laughs> I'll try my best to control myself. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yes, ma'am. So on to the next question. What would you like to have in twenty twenty one that didn't have in twenty twenty? I would like to travel. i i think we i think all of us are going to just run out of our homes and start traveling like crazy now because we've been cooped down you know kept in isolation for such a long time i didn't was not at all able to travel i would love to travel yes now when our favorite is also that right now because and mm. most of us wanted to go to college because We miss our friends, our night canteens, everything. Hmm. Hmm. True. So moving on to the next question, what are the most memorable days in your college life? Once, ah, uh, so this is 
it's uh, censored okay so you're not supposed to take it seriously this is a rapid fire fun question so once you know what happened we went on a dharna uh, in our du days and du is for delhi university and then i think we ended up locking the principal in her home so that was really fun <laughs> we cannot even talk about that right because now i'm a teacher myself <laughs> <laughs> Once I had a big argument with one of my teachers, and I was so upset with her for something. We are also immature, maybe I can't remember why I was upset, but we were having a big theoretical argument. I went out and I locked the class, and I went into the canteen. I had a cup of coffee, and then I remembered, oh my God! Then I ran and I opened the door. She was very angry with me, <laughs> so that was fun. Then we used to have a lot of pani puri. lovely pani puris it's called puchka in calcutta hmm? yeah charts charts are the best thing about college uh yes ma'am i i can definitely say charts are the best thing because we have a small uh, shop near our hostel as well i think it's only our hostel the hostel i am in it's nearby that so we used to go every every weekend uh, for chart over there and yeah. uh, you talking about the principles that was that i i like to try that once actually not oh. okay, i wouldn't do that, <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you 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 can do that i think but you just open a, open the open the lock as soon as you can <laughs> i don't know don't quote Definitely. me on that <laughs> okay yes ma'am uh ma'am uh, if you could travel back in time what is that one advice to your 18 old self you would uh, that what would you have given an advice to your 18 year old self i think that my 18 year old self was too timid and uh, academically oriented i really i really would go back to my 18 year old self and say are kuch nahi hota hai padhai karna chahiye you have to study but not so much i was quite academically oriented i maybe because i had to prove myself as a girl or whatever and i think i could have done more had more fun and still managed to be where i am today you know so i think that's an advice i would give to see more movies and to have more late night studying and to have coffee at 2 o'clock we were i grew up in a family which was very strict and conservative if somebody had coffee at 2 o'clock it was the scandal of the year <laughs> everybody would talk to everybody oh my god she's studying and she's having a cup of coffee at 2 o'clock so i never had a cup of coffee at 2 o'clock many of my friends had that we grew up in such conservative times so i think one advice i would give to my 18 year old was would be to study yes but not have fun have fun have fun it's really important to both enjoy and concentrate on studies Yeah. If you had the opportunity to do time travel, what is that one event mm. that you would want to change? Uh, backward. Yes, ma'am. Or forward. Backward. Time travel backward or forward. Time travel back. Backward. I don't know. I think everything was good. 
I would just want that, you know, those Delhi riots that happened in 1984, you know, when anti-Sikh riots, they did not happen. It As I was, what, just about 12 years that time, and they really troubled me a lot because there were people who were killing each other. I think children do think like that. So I do think that at least those anti-Sikh riots would not have happened. That's what... Uh, so, ma'am, on a more official note, have you ever played a prank on anyone? Lots of times. But uh, this is an <laughs> official question or a non-official question? <laughs> uh, I think it will get recorded, ma'am. Oh, so I can tell this to you. <laughs> Mm, lots and lots of times we have played all kinds of crazy pranks, especially when we were in college. And even after I got married, I have once I played a prank on my mother-in-law. So, you know, we had gone out and, <laughs> and she's a wonderful person. So she said that she's going to put the cooker on, you know, cooker to keep the rice and the dal for the kids. So we went out and I came back and she was so upset. She said, I don't know, I was not able to put the cooker lid on properly and things like that. So I said, oh, is it? I went in and I saw that she had forgotten that small thing. So I put it and I kept it and she came and I said, now I'm going to do a mantra. And this mantra is going to cook the rice. She was <laughs> she could not believe that. She says, what nonsense are you talking? So I said, now just see. And I did that. I put the cooker and I did some zhoo, zhoo, zha, zha, and it got steam. And she was so shocked. She could not believe it. For the life of her, she could not believe it. Then I would not, I was not able to tell her the truth. <laughs> After some time, I told her. So I've, I've, we played a lots of, lots and lots of pranks. It's good to play pranks. Just that they should not hurt someone. That's all. Have you ever bunked any class? Yeah, many times. Many times. When we were in eighth or ninth. Even in school, we have bunk classes and ran away from school. And there used to be a gate in a back wall, you know. I studied in a government school. So we ne I never studied in a privileged school. We studied in a government school. And there was a wall behind our class classes, uh, which was half broken, which we broke fully. And then around seventh period, fifth, sixth period onwards, where if we were uh, bored, we'd just walk out from the back gate and we'd just go home. In college also, I have bunked a lot of classes, but not the important ones. And this is non-official. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to bunk. Now, when my students bunk once in a while, I don't take it to my heart. I don't get a heart attack. Nothing. Kuch nahi. Oh, wow, man. Uh, <laughs> like, I can truly relate to this because my mom kept saying, my mom had similar stories to this actually. She also bunked uh, out of mm. classes to go watch movies. So I've had yeah. story, I've heard stories like this before. 
<laughs> yeah so one of my uh, teachers you know she would love the fact that she was a very cool teacher so she would say acha you all want to bunk i'll also bunk with you and then you know she would take us to some very um, different places like once she had a class with us in a cafe so we were only uh, five six people so it's possible you know you if you decide to become a teacher you will not only be more accommodating of for your students but you can have a class somewhere else what's the problem with that note that attendance <laughs> <laughs> definitely ma'am definitely uh, my mom actually said that uh, uh, during her tuition days when she went to uh, pay the teacher like all of them paid uh, together so what they did is that they asked the teacher for a treat <laughs> and yeah. the teacher would happily give so yeah. so, so i've heard all of these kinds of stories before so i know yeah. where you're coming from ma'am <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah true, uh, true so ma'am on on a slightly serious note uh, do hmm. you like sports and if so what is your favorite sport and who is your favorite sports person if 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 not sports you can talk about music as well yeah so i love sports uh, and when i was in school i used to play table tennis i really like table tennis because it's very swift and it really requires that sharpness of reflexes and uh, uh, it also requires endurance so many of my friends were very good in badminton and badminton can also be a very swift game um, none of us could afford tennis because you know we grew up in government schools and tennis courts and squash courts came quite late but when we were kids when we were in school and college we used to play a lot of kabaddi it's also called hututu in marathi and that's an awesome game kabaddi is such a wonderful game and kho 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 i don't know whether you have played kho kho uh, yes, or kabaddi oh that's such a fantastic there's such fantastic games kho kho and kabaddi they really require a lot of sharp reflexes and i think table tennis is my favorite game even now although all of us follow cricket in india so i like virat kohli and ajinkya rahane and virat uh, and you know uh, the current situation that is happening and so on and so forth all of us follow cricket but i have never played it yes i mean i follow cricket and but i don't play yeah uh, what's the one decision you are really proud of one decision yes oh i think it's to do my phd in psychology so all of us need to keep upskilling and upgrading oneself right in our work whatever we like so i think that's one it really helped me a lot okay right ma'am taking a completely different u turn uh, a very very random question that popped into our head the zombie apocalypse coming what is the one thing you would save other than people oh man <laughs> that's quite as quite something <laughs> so i think i would save zombies zombies are after blood so i think i would save us uh, syringes maybe 
to keep uh, pure blood or something i don't know <laughs> or maybe we should save some uh, zombies just drink blood is it that they, they don't do anything else na apart from drinking blood uh, they turn if they, if they bite you you turn into a zombie that's what happens us then i think we should have rubber suits or bio suits or something mm-hmm. that's all i can think of can we have some bio suits or something <laughs> Makes sense. They don't, mean, yeah. they don't. They don't listen to jokes. Zombies. Can't you sing a song for them and they go into a trance, like a rock concert or something? Uh, I think we can answer that after the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. So you know this Harry Potter's. Uh, he uh, Sri Vardhanajan has this Harry Potter uh, thing. So Harry Potter has that. No, whatever you are scared of, convert it into something humorous or something opposite. So if we could create some music that zombies could just get into a Nirvana stage, then we are done. <laughs> Ma'am. Uh, so yes. what would your superpower be and why? you had to choose some superpower oh, superpowers among the current superpowers anything Is it? like iron man spider man oh oh among iron Or man controlling with eyes uh, you can bring object towards you Oh I think the power to control one's mind is the biggest superpower and other other powers follow from there in yoga this is called as vibhuti so i think the biggest vibhuti is just to remain grounded and control one's mind then once you control one's mind then one can visualize anything and control eyes and control anything else definitely definitely ma'am that was an amazing session honestly i think that's the end of our uh, questions with you but it was truly uh, uh, in our in our terms lit it's truly it was a truly lit um conversation with you and we really hope to i especially i really hope to see you in person at least once Oh yes thank you very much i really enjoyed talking with you and i i have a lot of affection for all of you all my students and you also because you took the initiative taking an initiative is such an important thing at this point and had some fun as well so i think i really appreciate i am going to come and meet you sometime in trichy and uh, hopefully that will be one of my superpowers <laughs> Oh, Aishwarya, you know, visualize that, and it will happen. <laughs> I will see you, Arkajit, and Aishwarya. Definitely, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. It's really a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I wish you all all the best. And uh, this is something you may be doing officially, but you are going to benefit non-officially also because a lot of coordination, lot of hard work, lot of discipline. So I wish you all the best, and I hope to see you sometime in life. <laughs>